Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about theater and ways that you can incorporate theater skills into your nannying. And to do that, I have two very dear friends who have their own children's theater company, Kathleen Melvin and Cassandra Quinn. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yes, we're really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited to have you guys on to talk about this. Before we get started... Let's hear a little bit about your backgrounds. So this is the first time ever we've had two guests on. So we will start with Kathleen. Um, So as far as my background as a theater educator goes, um, I had my first gig directing children my freshman or sophomore year of college. Um, At that time, I was attending one of the two-year University of Wisconsin schools that's actually in my hometown. And there is a children's theater there called Theater for Young Audiences, which my entire life has done really wonderful work. And the artistic director had asked me to co-direct a production of Peter Rabbit and Me, Mm. which is an adaptation of Beatrix Potter's Peter Rabbit. Um, And I had actually, the year I was in sixth grade, I had done that same play with TYA, and I had played Mother Rabbit, and so it was very exciting to um, go back and direct that show. And I had directed that show, and at the same time was working with a group of high schoolers at my alma mater um, as a debate coach and forensics coach, so helping teach kids how to research, how to write speeches that someone will actually want to listen to, um, how to... very important life skill. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Um, And then how how to perform those speeches and then also um, coaching actors on, on the acting side of the forensics team as well. And so I did that for probably about four years, um, after I had graduated from high school and, um, that took me most of the way up through, through my, my five-year college experience. <laughs> <laughs> so when I graduated from, from college with a degree in theater, I didn't really have any 
knowledge of educational theater as a career and I kind of fell into a gig working with a a children's theater um, a year or two later and then that was kind of it for a while. But when I moved to Chicago, I, I fell back into that world and um, joined the ensemble of a theater company called Great Works Theater, which tours um, the Chicago area mostly and does cultural enrichment programming. So I do an adaptation of a series of fairy tales, and um, I used to do an adaptation of the BFG, and I used to do um, Number the Stars, which is a Holocaust mm-hmm. story. And then... Cassandra had approached me with the idea for what we ended up calling Compass <laughs> Creative Dramatics, but at that time, of course, had no name. Right. And we joined forces and began to work on this project, and that was back in two, May of 2012. So we're, we're coming up on about five years of, of this being our, our passion and our, our main uh, foray into, into children's theater and educational theater. That's wonderful. And then Cassandra, how about a little bit of background on you? Sure. So uh, I started uh, in children's theater as a participant and had a lot of experience. Probably I started around five or six years old in different uh, areas in my community performing. And then by the time I got to high school, I uh, was a part of, you know, drama club and, and being involved in that aspect and there was a counselor at my school who organized and planned a program called Kids on the Block Mm -hmm. and Kids on the Block is a program that is based in puppetry and goes into schools and teaches students uh, about what abuse is Mm -hmm. and how to recognize it and how to stand up for yourself and how to report it and get the help that you need. So a a very serious topic, but she knew I was involved in theater and thought I would be a good fit for this troupe of puppeteers <laughs> and uh and I joined up and and really that was my first time as an educator um going in and using theater as a medium of storytelling as well as um social issues programming and did that all through high school and then uh, I was fortunate enough to go uh, to college and I was studying both sociology and theater so those things continued to be hand in hand in my life while my main focus in theater uh, in college was focusing on becoming a performer I also was lucky enough to be involved in a theater department that saw such an important need for theater education that during my time there they actually created a separate degree for theater education oh wow that's great yeah I know right now I had already put several years into my uh, (laughs) performance track and so it didn't make a lot of sense for me to shift gears mid-college but because of that I had the opportunity to take some of those theater education classes. So I was taking creative dramatics and curriculum development and really just kind of learning more about the ins and outs of not only being a theater artist, but being a theater educator uh, because I had a passion for both. But at the time, I still thought, eh, my, my main focus and track is to become a performer. And then I graduated and continued to pursue that um 
aspect of what my goals were. And I just organically kept getting drawn back into educational theater and uh, got some regional tours doing some educational theater. Um, I had an opportunity to work with Climb Theater in Minnesota where they, again, are focusing on teaching kids about environmental health and, uh, again, bullying, teasing, Mm -hmm. um, making healthy choices. Um, And I had already had my eye on a theater in Chicago because I knew that Chicago was someplace (laughs) I wanted to land when I was finished with this regional touring. And it was called Imagination Theater. And so when I finally got here, um, the artistic director who I'd been (laughs) keeping in touch with for a long time remembered me and called me in for an audition Uh, again I was really fortunate to be brought on to that team and I've been with them for uh goodness coming up on my sixth anniversary with them wow Uh, and so it's been really tremendous being a part again of a program that that really uses theater as a medium to to make change in the world and uh as I was doing that and working for other educational and children's theater companies in Chicago as well. I just realized that that's where uh, my heart was and I wanted to create something of my own. And that's, again, you know, (laughs) goes back to what Catherine already shared about me approaching her and deciding, you know, this is something that's valuable and something that's uh, this particular brand of what we were wanting to do didn't exist in the Chicago area and Compass Creative Dramatics came to be. Wonderful. Well, that was all really good information. So theater has a lot of transferable skills uh, for kids in almost every aspect of their lives. Like literally when I think about it, it is almost every aspect. Uh, Can you name a few of those transferable skills and talk about how you can help kids learn to use them even when they're not on stage? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we are focusing on building what are called soft skills or um, personality skills Mm -hmm. as opposed to professional skills. And um, there was a study published in 1918. Whoa. Right? So like 100 years ago. (laughs) I want to say it came out of like Carnegie Mellon, but I I might be wrong about that. And this study was saying that um, 85 percent of the skills that were needed in the workplace were soft skills. Oh, wow. And that only 15 percent came out of these more professional skills. Um, And it's kind of crazy to think that a hundred years ago they were already saying that and then right now is kind of when the world is catching up and and deciding that those are valuable skills to pursue. Um, and something that I read on, on careerbuilder.com is that 77% of employers currently believe that soft skills like creativity, critical thinking, dependability, teamwork, that they're just as important as industry-related hard skills. Um, and 16% of employers believe that soft skills even outweigh those hard skills oh, wow. in importance. So through theater and helping to build those skills um, is not just important to do theater as right. a fun activity, but is also going to to take these kids wherever they end up going in life. And um, participation in, in the arts in general helps guide students toward those skills. And something that's really wonderful about the art of theater is that the development of so many of those skills is inherent in the structure of just putting on a play. So one of the ways that we help guide 
students toward those skills is that within the first few minutes of one of our week-long theater programs, because most of the structure of our, of our company is based in week-long residencies or camps, so within the first few minutes of the first day, the students are introduced to the concepts of active listening and thinking critically, um, as well as the importance of dependability because we're working together as an ensemble, which we explain <laughs> ensemble comes from a French word that, that literally means together so we're we're working in teamwork um, which is really important Um, and that's literally the first five minutes of the first rehearsal they're getting exposure to to those those words and those definitions and there are so many of these personality skills these soft skills that are affected by participation in theater Uh, you know trust respect responsibility teamwork adaptability attitude work ethic organization, uh, (laughs) ability to work under pressure, confidence, and and empathy is a really big one. Um, But it would literally take us hours to just talk about how all of these skills are developed through theater participation and through participation in our program. Right, yes. But (laughs) I appreciate that list because sometimes I think that as nannies in particular, when you're working with the same kids day in and day out, you can sometimes forget that those type of soft skills take almost daily work mm-hmm. <laughs> to develop and to uh, reach their full potential. And sometimes it's it's hard when you're working with the same kid and they go through phases so much and just remembering that it does take these constant reminders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do notice with the kids that I have nannied, a couple of kids that I have nannied have participated in your programming. And uh, I noticed as they were doing that, that they did look for opportunities to problem solve more. And they did look, they're really, really kind kids <laughs> anyway, but mm-hmm. It seems like it got even greater. Their their kindness to each other was greater. Oh, um, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and anytime I've worked with kids that have also been participating in theater, it those things do seem to increase naturally, which mm-hmm. is so lovely. And it's nice as a as a nanny to just remember that it's the tortoise, not the hare. Slow and steady to work on these life skills. It's true. I think that uh, sometimes just remembering that the patience, like you just said, is incredibly important. And then just looking for opportunities to praise even little victories that students Mm -hmm. are having Mm -hmm. um, in those areas uh, of soft skills. Because I think that, again, positive reinforcement goes a long way. So if they go, oh, that went well and someone noticed mm-hmm. they're going to repeat that behavior um and, and i go and they're they're less likely to get that kind of feedback in their daily lives than like yes. oh you spelled that correctly that's really great good work um as opposed to oh you let her go first that's really nice of you good work right um and we tend to focus on those hard skills even even more strongly yeah and i feel like that definitely starts um at least I have noticed that shift from focusing on the soft skills to the hard skills starts in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they get in school, it's all about, can you answer this correctly? Not, Mm -hmm. can you find a way to cheer someone up? Whereas I feel like when 
our generation was in kindergarten. Kindergarten was about how to stand in line and wait patiently, Mm -hmm. how to share the blocks, how to take turns in the reading space. Um, And I think that teachers are so overwhelmed with with curriculum requirements now, even for for Mm -hmm. five-year-olds and testing requirements at that young age, that there's not a lot of room to teach those other skills anymore. Yes. On this podcast, we have focused, or I guess I, because I'm at the helm of the ship, uh, (laughs) I have focused pretty heavily on fostering empathy. We had a whole episode on kindness and helping Mm -hmm. foster kindness. Uh, And so, and I I know from experience that theater is one of the best ways to to help kids open their eyes to ways that they can be more empathetic. Uh, How can nannies use some of the lessons from theater uh, in their day-to-day jobs to help foster empathy for their kiddos? Um, So I I think that... that as, as a nanny, that there are a lot of questions that come out of being a performer that you can ask yourself about your your nanny kids to, to uh, make an experience better. So um, something that, that has stuck with me a lot throughout mm-hmm. my life is um, a moment in To Kill a Mockingbird mm-hmm. when Atticus is talking to Scout, and he says to her that you never really know a man until you understand things from his point of view, and, and the way that Atticus says metaphorically that you need to do that is to climb into his skin and walk around in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's absolutely true. And as a theater artist, particularly as an actor or as a playwright, you are constantly walking around in someone else's skin. Yeah. And you have to always be asking yourself, well, why did they make that decision? What options did they consider before they chose that one? How are they feeling about themselves? How are they feeling about the other person in the scene? What are they trying to get from that person? What kind of body language? which will help me show that they're feeling that and, and help me show what they're wanting. Um, and, and I think all of those questions are valuable to consider um, because often your nanny kids just aren't as articulate mm-hmm. as it would be helpful for them to be. And it's frustrating for the child to not be understood. It's frustrating for you to have trouble understanding their needs and their mm-hmm. wants. And so I think that this idea of walking a mile in someone else's shoes is almost always helpful to me as as I'm babysitting mm-hmm. um, and and working with with tiny humans <laughs> um, and and taking a, a step back from a seemingly stressful situation and thinking, okay, nap time was short today. Um, it's thirty degrees below zero, and we've been in, stuck inside for three days. We're both worn out. And thinking about how that environment is affecting the child um, and and affecting how they're processing the world right yeah. now is is often really helpful. And And something that you mentioned earlier is that these, these personality skills need practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that's very, very true. Um, and, and the more that you practice empathy, the more naturally it'll come. So the same as if 
Um, some people look in the mirror and do affirmations every morning, or some people work on altering their thoughts toward po- body positivity. Like mm-hmm. you might start out doing those things and it might be super stilted and it might you might have to do it really deliberately and really purposefully and it might be awkward. Um, but the more that you do that, the more natural it becomes and the more your brain rewires to have those thoughts be the default. And, and it's the same with, with empathy and empathizing with your nanny kids or empathizing with anybody. Mm-hmm. And and leading by example mm-hmm. of when you show empathy, yes. the the kids learn. They gosh, they pick up mm-hmm. so yeah. much. It's true. I think that too. Like just doing some guided practice with students really makes a big difference. So, I think that in an effort to make sure that the students are successful, or in an effort to make it easier on yourself <laughs> that we sometimes will just give kids the answer. And that even happens with empathy. I mm-hmm. think that we we say, well, that's not very nice. You should know that that person doesn't like that. How do you think they feel? And Tell them you are sorry. And that's the yes. end of the conversation. Rather than asking guided questions of, have you thought about how that person is feeling right now? How might that make you feel if that happened to you? How might that make you react? Do you understand better now why that person is feeling that way? What- and how are you feeling now about that experience right. now that we've talked through these things? And so teaching them to take those small steps towards empathy mm-hmm. can really make a difference in helping them practice rather than just feeding them an answer and them mm-hmm. not understanding why do I have to say I'm sorry or why do I have to care about how that person feels I'm I don't angry. feel sorry yeah right I, I feel angry so I'm going to be angry and be mean <laughs> no well let's think about how that is I mean, a- that's a choice you can make <laughs> yep <laughs> not probably the healthiest choice for you or that other person mm-hmm. um and so just teaching kids to be a little more um autonomous in their thought process Mm -hmm. not just with empathy but any of those soft skills Mm -hmm. can really go a long way I completely agree and in the conflict resolution episode with Katie Leineke we talked about how uh, there have been lots of studies and then also just I can say firsthand (laughs) telling a kid to say to another kid that they're sorry does nothing but teach that kid that sorry is this magic word that gets them out of being in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, which And it, that you don't have to mean it. Yes. You, and yeah. You should say sorry whenever someone else is is feeling something. Right. Um, and it doesn't really matter how you feel about it. Yep. It's it's a, a really easy band-aid mm-hmm. uh, that you don't have to think through at all. And so really I think taking those opportunities uh, as they pop up, which they so often do, especially between siblings mm-hmm. of yep. um, checking in with actually how you made another person feel. And then once you've checked in with that, I love your point, Kathleen, about then how does that make you feel now that you realize the impact that your words yeah. or Is actions have had? That you that you might want to apologize for? Right. Well, yeah. And I think that's understanding that kid relations is just mirroring human relations. Mm -hmm. It it is human relations. It's just in small, (laughs) tiny form. And so knowing that not everything is going to resolve perfectly or beautifully, you 
may mm-hmm. have siblings who are not getting along or or friends or or students um and and that one student may not get to a place of feeling bad or feeling sorry and and to force them to say they're sorry isn't doing anyone any good but you're and the other person may not get to a point of forgiveness even if there is an apology issued right. and that's okay too exactly yep. and so knowing that i feel like my job as an educator um is to to be a moderator but not always make sure an arbiter (laughs) exactly (laughs) and so I think that uh, the child who may be the one that's hurting letting them know that I care about their feelings and I'm sorry and empathetic that they're feeling bad sometimes can go just as far if not further than forcing a, a student to say they're sorry when they're not and then on the other side empathizing with the person who may not be feeling sorry understanding you have a right to your feelings and you have a right to be upset right now um you may not have a right to act out in that way or 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 to um express them in 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 that way that you chose but but i am validating your feelings Mm -hmm. and i understand you too i think sometimes too much focus is put on the child who's who's labeled the victim yes and and we don't have enough empathy for the child who may be perceived as as the, the instigator <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah oh that's a really really good point um that i am gonna do some thinking about this week <laughs> um so we've also on this podcast talked a lot about storytelling and imagination because it is a passion of mine um helping kids stretch their imagination muscles is something that i really try to incorporate into my nannying on a really daily basis and theater is a place where your imagination can just run wild Mm -hmm. which is so lovely how how can theater camps or classes help build kids creativity muscles sure so i think that understanding uh that theater is just about storytelling and and stepping into a new world and taking on a new uh role and exploring what that means uh is tremendous and Mm -hmm. and i tell my students we have the privilege of getting up in front of other people and sharing this story and communicating these ideas and being these people on stage. And how much fun is it that I get to get up on stage and play a witch mm-hmm. or a robot or a boy? Like, <laughs> and, and am I any of those things in my real life? And sometimes they say, yeah. Especially if I'm like, um, I get to play a queen in this play. Am I a queen? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I appreciate that you think that. But uh, no. Um, but in reality, <laughs> no. I'm a theater teacher. Um, and, and getting them excited to uh, really dig into not only going back to the idea of empathy, putting on someone else's skin, but stepping into a whole new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so true. Also, what are some ways, so let's say that kids are getting exposed to theater through school, through programs like the ones that you provide, things like that. What are some ways that you as a nanny can help keep that train a rolling even after after school or weeks later? I think that that's something that's important is just to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. Every play has themes to it every theater game has lessons to it and so being aware of those lessons and those themes and those morals that 
that the students may um, may have an understanding of coming out, or they may have missed because some right. of that's some of that's subtle. And depending on on the age of your kids and on the the subject matter of the play, just having discussions about those those themes, even in our performances, which are intended for kids, you know, as young <laughs> as as first grade, there are themes of of teamwork and friendship and being yourself, having confidence, um, making healthy choices, standing up for friends who are being victimized. Like some of those are, are, are headier um, themes yeah. for a kid's show. So f- for nannies, I would say first and foremost, if you're able to, go see the play. Yes. Or go observe rehearsal or the class or whatever it is that they're participating in. Um, with our programming, we think it's really important to keep an open rehearsal policy so that um, the grown-ups in these kids' lives can come in and see what we're teaching and how we're communicating that. Um, and I think that at a lot of the time that those adults are able to pick up the the kind of buzzwords mm-hmm. that we use in our communication with our students so that they can then go home and ask questions that that lead to discussions about um, all of those personality skills. And so if you're able to do that, that'll give you, I think, a a really solid foundation upon which to build this discussion of those themes and continue to to ask those kinds of questions. And I think that reaching out, if if you know that your, your student is participating actively in some theater programming, reaching out to the theater educators uh, about your desire mm-hmm. to continue that at home can make a big difference too. And yep. saying, yes. do you have resources or what skills are you working on um, at camp? So or I can continue that education with my nanny kid once they're back in, in my care. Exactly. Yeah. And not only that, that then it becomes more of a community effort and we're all a part of this team mm-hmm. of development. It takes a village. <laughs> exactly. And and so actively seeking out um, information, whether it's something formal, like with our program, one of the things that we do on Monday is send home a letter talking about the experience that the students had that day and how to continue that conversation at home. Great. So maybe as a nanny saying, uh, finding out that that exists and that may have been shared with a parent but may not have been shared with you and mm-hmm, saying, hey, mm-hmm. what what information may have gone home that would help us uh, be better prepared for the week or continue the conversation or whatever? Um, because some places may have those resources, f- formal resources, and even if they don't have the formal resources, I imagine they'll be delighted that you're mm-hmm. asking yes. about actively being involved. And, and even on a lighter or more casual note, just – continuing to encourage your nanny kids to play pretend Mm -hmm. like if they are older maybe um look at some literature that they're into and um role play those kinds of ideas Mm -hmm. or um or films or or tv shows that they're familiar with characters from role playing well what if so and so from this tv show was put in this situation what do you think would happen Mm then um and then just literally playing pretend with (laughs) with those younger kids um and encouraging that not only is it exciting that they're using their imaginations and their creativity but again leading by example that you're the adult and you're still willing to you know get down on the floor and pretend this fort is a treehouse in the amazon (laughs) um those are those are just as valuable as as these 
more formal discussions that you might have with them as well. I think also looking for task-oriented things that you can incorporate imagination into. So you're like, all right, we're making lunch. But not only are we making lunch, but we are famous chefs on a TV show right now. We Mm. have to explain what we're doing to our (laughs) <laughs> to our audience uh, and and going through a kind of a task-oriented thing there or maybe cleaning and there's some kind of game that we can use our imaginations because we're it's time to pick up mm-hmm. our toys. So yep. now we've turned this maybe mundane. Maybe, maybe we're Cinderella yeah. or that's what know, I was whatever, just <laughs> whatever situations you want to layer on top of your everyday real life. Mm-hmm. We're going to the playground and well, this isn't just a playground. This is a castle at the mountaintop and it's owned by an evil witch and we have to keep away from her like Mm -hmm. any kind of strange scenario that you can use is going to encourage kids to play I think looking for opportunities that are um, maybe more tangentially related to theater but uh, definitely rooted in imagination and playing pretend looking for like story time sessions mm-hmm. at, at libraries, libraries. exactly mm-hmm. and and even like <laughs> there's lots of you know conventions and expos and um even just like playtime events that are mm-hmm. themed where mm-hmm. people are encouraged to come in costume and come in yep. character and and if you can find something that is themed around something that your child really enjoys mm-hmm. let them indulge in that let them dress up as their favorite yep. character yeah. and go role play for the day at some event something that that's popping up in a lot of urban areas is story time with drag queens mm-hmm. um, yes, which, I which i've loved to 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 read about and hear people's experiences where a drag queen will be the person to read the story and not only is that a a, a story time event mm-hmm. for the kids but it also exposes them to something that they may not otherwise um, experience and opening their world just a little bit wider and and making them just a little bit more accepting because well that's normal that's right that's, that's a beautiful human who is sharing this story with me just like yeah. when my mom reads my stories mm-hmm. um, and so finding those kind of events too that are like it's standard story time with a twist. With mm-hmm. a twist, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I've also, in the articles that I've read about that, I haven't seen any in Chicago yet. If I mm-hmm. find them, I'll post them on, <laughs> on yeah. uh, Chronicles of There are definitely some in the Milwaukee area. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. So, Milwaukee listeners, uh, go find them. <laughs> Check them out. <laughs> um, but something that I've read in the articles is that there's also, like, question-answer time yeah. where the kids, the kids can, can come ask. up and, and, and interact with her um, after after she's done reading. Wonderful. Uh, one more thing that I had a thought about keeping the the skills that they're learning during the day in theater, um, keep working with those, is that something that I've had a lot of success with is asking the kids to teach me what mm-hmm. they learned yeah. that yep. day. That's and great. hearing their interpretation because sometimes like when my nanny kids have gone to the camp that you all put on here in Chicago uh it I know the language that you guys (laughs) use and then I also get to be taught by so I get to see the filter Mm -hmm. that it went through and that's so fun for me just a psychological thing Mm -hmm. of yeah like oh you heard these words (laughs) and now this is what that means to you yep exactly (laughs) but also fostering that autonomy of you learn something that I don't Mm -hmm. know about you're the expert here yeah you're the expert you spent all day 
learning these things. Can you teach me and teach younger siblings? That's gone over really well. Well, I just know from my own experience as a teacher, like I just absorb and and retain information differently when I'm having to teach it to someone else. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. now you're just helping those students recategorize that and reinforcing that. But Mm -hmm. then you're also working on developing their articulation and their leadership and and making them excited about sharing information uh, that they and you can see what they're drawn to then too you Mm -hmm. can pick up on oh that's what's interesting them or that's what's making them nervous and then rather than asking those specific questions you get it organically Mm -hmm. and then you can work on either side of that oh let's develop this thing that you're really excited about or let's focus on this thing that you're more uncomfortable with or nervous about yes yes and then theater is also a team sport we've talked about that already Mm -hmm. today but um how do you all build that team mentality with a group of kids that some of sometimes they know each other sometimes it's within a specific setting Mm -hmm. a school or a a after school program yeah um but sometimes it's a bunch of kids who have never met before and Mm -hmm. they by really by day end of day one need to be working as a team how do you foster that um so we start out the first day by laying some some expectations um and one of most most of these expectations are built on the foundation of this is a team activity and we're working together as a team um as an ensemble Um, And we continue to emphasize the idea of teamwork throughout the week by using the word team Mm -hmm. interchangeably with cast or group. And you'll often hear us talking about supporting the team or being a good teammate. And when we see a student doing something to help or support another student, um, like we said earlier, we want to point that out and we thank them um for being a great teammate and and a lot of our um behavioral paradigms come from a place of positive reinforcement and the concept of working together as a team is no different right yeah and and going back again to some things that we already talked about asking guided questions to get them Mm -hmm. to the ideas of how do I serve on this team? What is mm-hmm. my purpose, my role? What value do I bring? Mm-hmm. And what responsibility do mm-hmm. I have to this entire group of people? And so we try to guide them to those answers throughout the week. And sometimes the students teach us something. We mm-hmm. see them do something incredibly team-oriented that isn't maybe one of our main focuses. And what a celebration we get to have mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. kids do that. And then sometimes we, we do things that are kind of um I don't want to say stereotypical but it brings to mind what you would expect from a sports team so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we might do a quick little chant about you know uh we might be doing Alice in Wonderland and we might go go Wonderland Mm -hmm. at the end of the day or we might be doing small group activities where we might be again we'll use Alice in Wonderland as an example I might be working uh with say the cards and they've learned all of their rehearsal and we'll uh put our hands in the middle just like you would see a sports team (laughs) and and so we kind of uh, go back to some of those ways that kids already Mm -hmm. have seen in their culture in their Mm -hmm. environment this is how a team behaves and so we reinforce that and connect that Mm -hmm. to the work that we're doing in theater and and something that um we try to balance 
um, is yes, this is a team activity, and yes, you are a member of this team, and that, and and you have a responsibility to the team. But we also want each of the students to feel like they are valued as an individual, mm-hmm. and that they have individual strengths that are used then to support the team and and elevate themselves at right. the same time. So it's not that we are all working together as a team and are becoming this. Um, this homogenous group um but that we are all individuals and we all do bring our own talents and our own strengths and our own weaknesses Mm -hmm. um into this team and we have to weave all of those elements together to create a a strong team a metaphor that i have used with somewhat older nanny kids this doesn't play i think under five (laughs) but um is the metaphor of water so water can be used to water a garden but also if it drips on a rock for a year there's going to be a hole in that rock it can Mm -hmm. break up rocks it can also be used to give us sustenance in life but it can also flood an area so just thinking about we're all human but how we choose to use our powers as a Mm -hmm. human affect the entire world you know and so that's something that I've had that discussion with a couple different nanny kids and after that I've seen them be like oh where can where can my water flow today (laughs) is what I ask them it's interesting especially working with older students um pointing out how their energy you talking about water just immediately think about energy how their energy is affecting uh not just themselves but but everyone around them Mm -hmm. and either uplifting or bringing people down and I definitely have had conversations on both extremes Mm -hmm. saying thank you so much for your positive attitude you are bringing so much joy into the room and it's affecting the other students I've also had to have those hard conversations with students who maybe are struggling with that and have a bad attitude or energy and saying you know I I see you first of all I feel you and I I understand that this that you might be uncomfortable or this might be new to you or you might have been bringing in something emotional that happened before rehearsal today Mm -hmm. and and uh you again have a right to those feelings but know that the way that you're projecting that energy is affecting the team and what Mm -hmm. can we do to help both you get to a better place but also know that you're have a responsibility to this group to get to a better place right now too and Mm -hmm. and how you're projecting your energy yeah Yeah, and this next question flows really well into that of uh, if a kid is seeking more attention, if they really wanted to be in the spotlight, that was their understanding of theater going in, (laughs) um, how can you help them cope with with the fact that theater is a teamwork-based activity and that everyone is, is equally sharing the spotlight? Something, something that we do when we, um, when we structure the program, because all, all of our plays are original adaptations mm-hmm. of classical children's literature. And so when we're writing, we place every single character within what we call a group. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you're looking at The Wizard of Oz, of course you have the munchkins, and you have the flying monkeys, and you have the winkies. But also, you don't have Dorothy on her own, and the scarecrow on, her, on his own, and so on. Um, we have a group called the Travelers. Okay. Um, And so we really stay away from the idea of there being principal roles Mm -hmm. or leading roles. 
um, and everyone is a part of the group. And we let the students know that before the audition takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really try to manage expectations um, by straight from from the get-go talking about ensemble and teamwork um, and then letting them know the structure of the play as far as everyone's a member of the group. And we, Cassandra had mentioned that on, on Monday after rehearsal, the students go home with a letter that talks about what they did that day. Well, a lot of what they did that day was the audition. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how casting works and how um, casting is a, a big puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the pieces that you're given, the image is going to be different. And so, again, going with the idea of The Wizard of Oz, in this cast, you may have worked really well as a munchkin. But in a different cast with different actors, you're, the best part for you may have been a flying monkey. Um, and that's okay. And it, it changes based on who else is in the audition and who else is in the cast and sometimes it's not even about how talented you are um in fact in our program it's often more about how attentive you are and (laughs) how brave and loud you can be Mm -hmm. but sometimes not even about those things and 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 we we share with the students who have concerns that some actors are simply better suited to a certain type of role than another one um we we use alan rickman as mm-hmm. an example because of course he was an amazing actor and was fantastic as professor snape but we yes. say would he have made a very good prince charming in cinderella <laughs> well probably not no. <laughs> um and so uh, the most important part here maybe for for students who were expecting something different is to be available to have that dialogue and have them be able to ask those questions and and know why you made the choices that you that you did and be confident in those choices so that you can articulate those um and and highlighting when you have those conversations um what the students did well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that made us go oh you would be a great flying monkey because you had such great attitude Mm -hmm. we loved the attitude you brought on those monkey lines and so that's (laughs) an awesome place for you in this cast yeah right and i i think too um helping students understand that uh, in order to tell a story, we need a variety of characters. And I think mm-hmm. that, that you know, so often you have students coming in knowing these stories that are familiar to them mm-hmm. and having their heart set on a particular role. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that not everyone in that room gets to be Dorothy. In fact, mm-hmm. only one person gets to be Dorothy. <laughs> or, or, or coming in wanting to be Peter Pan or Captain Hook and only one student mm-hmm. can play each of those roles. Um, and, and helping them understand that even if they didn't get the part that they had their heart set on they're still a valuable member of Mm -hmm. that team i think that sometimes too there's some value missed in being in some of those roles they don't Mm -hmm. see that they don't on the surface they don't see the fun in it or they Mm -hmm. don't see the value in it all they think is 
oh my goodness, I love the story of Peter Pan and I want to live vicariously through this story of being able to play Peter Pan this week. And they don't realize, oh my goodness, how much fun are those Lost Boys going to have right. um, and all the adventures that they're going to be a part of. Um, or, oh my goodness, let's let's see what kind of uh, fun we can have as a pirate. Or as a crocodile. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and so they, they just haven't had the time to critically think about uh, the experience that they're going to get from that. And um, because they've just been kind of honed in. So helping them understand uh, kind of the not only the value intrinsically to the storytelling, but the fun that they're going to get to have, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And something that I have actually talked about with my nanny kids, because I also am an actress, is a lot of times the fun of theater, especially a theater camp, where sometimes you don't get to hang out with these people Uh, these other students in the camp besides this week Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of the fun happens off stage too Um, and so if you are the lead it's a lot of work (laughs) you know (laughs) and that's great too but a lot of that value in both yeah there's value in both and um and so just with that question, if if you are a nanny of a kid that is disappointed uh, with with any activity, after school activity, that they're they're not getting what they want out of it, I think those are all really valuable points to help them see that they can get value out of it. Yeah. They might just have to reframe what they want. And, and share and, sorry. And as, <laughs> as always, the first step is going to be validating their feelings right Mm -hmm. that it makes sense to be disappointed that Mm -hmm. you know those are those are reasonable things to feel or even unreasonable because sometimes feelings aren't reasonable (laughs) well and and one way that i really try to use to help validate students feelings or just people's feelings Mm -hmm. is shared experience Mm -hmm. if you can show I I may not understand exactly how you are feeling because I'm not you, but I have a but similar in high school. Yeah. I really, 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 really wanted to be Eponine, and I got cast as Fontine, and I cried. Or as recently, <laughs> both on stage and off. I, I like yes. to show. <laughs> I also like to show that I, I try to give examples in my adult life mm-hmm. of like, yes, I experienced this when I was your age, but I've also experienced this as a grown up. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, this doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, I still feel feel these things. Yeah, I, I share sometimes with students that I really love Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream. I mm-hmm. love the character of Puck. I had the privilege of playing that character in college. Um, I auditioned with Montana Shakespeare, um, which uh, comes to Chicago and auditions literally hundreds of people when they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hire a very small ensemble Um each year and and uh they called me and offered me a position on their midsummer uh cast um and touring with them in the fall in a, a fall season where they only bring on eight actors only three women they have I keep a very specific formula and I was super excited but at the same time I expected that if I was gonna get cast I was gonna be puck right <laughs> and uh he was like great news we want you to come out to Montana we want you to go on tour 
and we want you to play Hermia. And I went, oh, Hermia. I think Hermia is boring. I don't think that sounds like any fun at all. But what did you learn, Cassandra? I learned that, first of all, I was just grateful for the opportunity to go be a part of that team and work for a company that does such great work mm-hmm. and has such a great um, reputation and, and, and is reaching so many students because I was on an educational tour where I was going to high schools and middle schools. And so that was really great. But I also, again, going back to earlier in the conversation, once I put on Hermia's skin and kind of walked around in it a little bit, man, did I find out she is feisty and spunky and I loved her and I learned to empathize with that character. And I actually learned so much more about that play, even though I'd performed in it before, because I was doing it through a completely different lens. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that world in a completely new, beautiful way. That's so wonderful. That's a that's a really great story. Um, yeah, and then conversely, what about students that are that are have some stage fright or are a little bit scared to to use their their big powerful voice that's in there, but maybe they don't know it yet. There are students in every cast, every week, every time we do this program who are that kind of student. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, they're never alone. Right. Um, and uh, going going back to this idea of, of writing the shows so that everyone has a group, mm-hmm. we're very specific um, as we write so that there's a, a wide variety of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So some students have the responsibility of singing by themselves. Mm-hmm. Some students have the responsibility of only speaking by themselves. Some students have the responsibility of only speaking with a group. Um, everyone does speak. Everyone has lines in, right. in our plays. Um, everyone sings. Everyone dances. Mm-hmm. But there are roles for students who aren't quite ready for the responsibility of speaking on their own and so those are already built into the cast regardless of where they are on this bravery and confidence spectrum um we we try to make sure that our our curriculum is built to have many different levels um our teaching styles can adjust to that um and that we are really trying to be in tune and so each step of the way we're gonna find places that are best suited to them Mm -hmm. to give them we're always trying to balance two things, making sure that they're comfortable uh, and feel supported. But well, that they're also challenged exactly. and that they're going to grow throughout the week. And again, leading by example, uh, telling the kids maybe when you're nervous or mm-hmm. uncomfortable about something. Or saying, this isn't a skill that's that's really in my wheelhouse. This isn't a strength of mine. Um, but I have to do it for this play. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And I'm I'm gonna show you how I'm gonna do this now. Mm-hmm. Right. And as nannies, we often I would say almost every nanny knows you know your kids so well. So mm-hmm. you know where kind of where they fall on that spectrum. Though sometimes with little kids, you might have never seen them in front of a mm-hmm. group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but keeping that in mind and and supporting them uh when they are shrinking a little bit Mm -hmm. um you are trusted by them more than almost any other adult besides their parents Mm -hmm. and so just keeping that in mind of meeting the kid where they are um in terms of of their desire to to perform Mm -hmm. um i have had times when a nanny kid that I've had because I love performing and so sometimes I forget 
that not everyone feels that way. And so they'll do something for me that will make me laugh so hard. And I will say, can you show that to your parents? Like, can I bring that up in front of your parents? And they will say, no, 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 no. I don't want to like, it was a, it was a one time only. It's Um, over now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The moment passed. I'm that kid. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because, um, sometimes what I see as a, as a theater educator and meeting my kids for the first time on that first day, um, and knowing nothing about them before they walk in, my experience with them may be very different than what that nanny or that parent is seeing surprised and so again on one extreme or the other they say oh they're so outgoing and silly and fun and imaginative all the time and uh (laughs) and and then they come into auditions and they are just super shy and they're self self aware in a way Mm -hmm. that makes them shut down a little bit inversely sometimes uh they think oh my my they come and warn us and say my kid's really shy you may have really a hard time getting something out of them yeah and they just relax right into it Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of fun to see those and those um the shock either way (laughs) um and and it's interesting too i i sometimes encourage you know caretakers just to manage their own expectations Mm -hmm. of of what's going to happen with their student and again go back to those ideas of meeting the kids where they're at supporting small victories and knowing that yes we see tremendous growth in students in a week Mm -hmm. but it's not a cure-all and you're you're your shy Sally is not going to turn into a chatty Kathy in in five days, most likely. It might happen, but most likely no. And so, yes, we're going to, like going back to what we talked about earlier, soft skills take a lot of time to develop. Mm -hmm. And this is the foundation. Or maybe we're coming somewhere, you're coming into our program somewhere along your process, and we're going to help with that growth. But knowing that... that, um, You're not going to go from a three to a ten right <laughs> in five days and so I think that just knowing that yes theater is a good place to find your students and, and to place them mm-hmm. to work on these things but that it's not going to be a cure-all and that again it goes or back. a one-time exactly event mm-hmm. yeah um and me- speaking of meeting them on that first day and you often don't know them I know as nannies and and sometimes like nighttime babysitters we have to earn kids trust so quickly is there do you guys have any advice on how to do that how to really connect with a kid quickly uh for those times that that you just met a kid and then the parents leave (laughs) (laughs) something that i found both in my work as an educator and and also um my own background as a as a babysitter is as a, a fill-in and those one-off um I meet you I hang out with you for <laughs> six hours and then you might not ever see me again um and something that I found to be really helpful is just to be upfront and honest right away with your introductions with your expectations and and just be yourself because if you come in and the children sense that you are performing you are not trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, if they think that you're you're on, um, they'll they'll distance themselves mm-hmm. from you, and so they have such a good radar for it. Yeah, um, which you know is 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 a I think a really good safety evolutionary mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> um, but just strip all of that away and just be yourself, um, and and kids will. Uh, 
react much better to that than if you come in and you're like, look how much fun I am. We're going to have a great time tonight. Yeah. And I think that just, uh, Kathleen said it in passing there, but like setting expectations as long as, I think that that's sometimes one of the scariest things about any new situation for any person, regardless of it's your just age. just not knowing. What to mm-hmm. expect or what people want from us mm-hmm. or need from us. And mm-hmm. so being really clear about that up front, but then also treating them with the kind the the same amount of respect you would give an adult in that situation Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times there's um, a misconception that I need to make sure to show that Mm -hmm. I'm the adult and I'm the one in charge and and if if you if you treat them that way they're they're gonna react childishly Mm -hmm. (laughs) but if you treat them with the same level of respect and communication that you would if you somehow to had to replace an adult in their situation right now (laughs) and I am now in charge of your care um, I think it goes a long way and I think that just learning to synchronize with people is super important Mm -hmm. so if you have a child who's really quiet and reserved and you come in and you are big and loud and over the top that's gonna that's scary yeah Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you come in and you have a a kid who is full of energy and enthusiasm and you come in really low low energy then they're gonna be distrustful too so being willing to kind of match Mm -hmm. energies um while remaining true to yourself exactly so yeah Mm -hmm. balancing those things of like because we all contain multitudes and so just matching your own energy like we talked about the kids your Mm -hmm. energy impacts other kids and and our energy as caretakers impacts the kids that we take care of definitely yeah. and even even when you're when you're interacting with your nanny kids parents mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. adjusting dad might be a very different energy than mom mm-hmm. and when when it's mom's night to come home and and relieve you that might be a very different experience than when it's dad's night to come home and relieve you um and so just being aware of humans in general and how mm-hmm. how you fit in energy-wise. and leading by example there too mm-hmm. yep. of showing the kids oh i can adjust this is my how energy. i yeah, yeah. If a nanny, and and a lot of the nannies that listen to this show are career nannies, and so you are working with parents uh, day in and day out, you're there 40 hours a week, and let's say that the parent is hesitant about signing their kid up for a theater camp, but you as a nanny really (laughs) truly believe that they would benefit Mm -hmm. from attending a theater-based camp. What are some ways that you can talk to the parent to try to help them see the benefits of theater? I think that as in, you know, 99.999% of all (laughs) conversations ever, finding common ground is really important. Mm -hmm. And so you know your family, you, you know your nanny kid. If you know that their parents are really eager for Johnny to be a football player when he gets to high school. Mm Mm-hmm great that's a team sport he needs to learn how to be on a team right now he's seven and he can do a play and that's going to teach him about being a member of a team or if uh the parents really want Susie to get into an ivy league school Mm -hmm. that's awesome she's going to need to learn how to communicate and how to think critically and guess what being in a play (laughs) will help her do that and so being able to to the the things that you find valuable in theater programming being able to pick out those elements and say okay these are the three that are really going to resonate with with the parents um, and be able to to articulate what those skills are and how theater teaches them yeah and I think that also 
any time that I find that I am not on common ground with somebody mm-hmm. and and uh, the first step that I try to kind of make myself take is understanding their point of view mm-hmm. so uh, not making assumptions or or presumption presumptions about why that parent or that person might be resistant to their mm-hmm. child participating and really trying to dig into that so I'm a big fan of of this two-part kind of communication <laughs> style of I I noticed that it seems that so in this case I might say I noticed it seems that you may not be very excited about uh, your your child little Johnny participating in theater and I was wondering what what makes you feel that way Mm -hmm. um I was wondering um what what hesitations or questions you have and then learning more about their perspective and then (laughs) the other thing I have to work on um and I I try to focus (laughs) on doing is not stopping with that first surface answer Mm -hmm. because a lot of times people are not taught to think critically about answering questions and so they're going to give you uh, the most surface answer usually up front um, and that may not be the it doesn't seem like it would be something he would like oh Oh. what what uh about about your conversations with him has has made you feel that way right and so digging in with some some follow-up questions and and kind of using the structure of the five whys it doesn't actually have to be five why questions (laughs) but like and and, and using what's called a threaded conversation so figuring out okay I like Kathleen said it's something I don't think that he would like okay we picked up on the fact that you think Johnny won't like it Next question is, oh, what conversations, like Kathleen said. And they they may say, well, um, he just is, says that he's uncomfortable talking in front of people. Oh, okay. So I hear that you think that he would feel uncomfortable in front of, of a crowd. Um, why do you think that giving in, him an opportunity to kind of grow in that area would um, be a negative experience instead of a positive one and kind of having them helping them kind of critically think about it because sometimes we haven't even taken the time to think about it for ourselves and right. so until people ask us questions we haven't necessarily considered all of the we answers just have and possibilities. A gut emotional reaction and our decisions made exactly yeah. and so uh, forcing yourself to take the time to really listen and dig and get a clear perspective and then that gives you plenty of more information to then do exactly what Kathleen said earlier of saying well I know you value this Mm -hmm. so this is how we can meet that Mm -hmm. goal and because you've dug for more information and have a lot more um, foundation for that you You can can have a much richer conversation and and know even better how to pinpoint those parts of the conversation that are going to lead it into your favor exactly (laughs) and and I think that that and really into the kids favor right because we're being advocates for Mm -hmm. the kids and it may be that there's a very good valid reason that they're uncomfortable with that idea Mm -hmm. um that you now understand that and you're not going to be resistant to that decision that that parents made Mm -hmm. for their own child right and you can find other ways to maybe bring the arts or theater into the world even if they're not going to go be in a play maybe it's like okay well maybe it's not best for johnny to be in a play but would it be okay to see it exactly yeah wonderful so we've talked a lot about theater in general and how theater programs can really help students and and the kids that we nanny better themselves with all these wonderful soft skills. But I'm curious, 
about your specific programming and how that works. We've kind of alluded to it throughout the podcast, but I would love to let the listeners know the exact details of of your program because it sounds like you guys have made some very specific and conscious choices of how you choose to do it. So uh, our foundational uh, idea is that we offer week-long experiences for kids. So what that means for us is our flagship program is a performance-based week. So we meet the students on Monday, audition them, cast them in the play. Everybody gets a part. We just got to figure out what part's right for them. And then we start rehearsing right away. And then we meet with the students each day uh, to learn more and more of the play, put it all together. And by Friday, uh, after rehearsal, they are ready to perform a full musical in just wow. five days. <laughs> um, and so some sometimes our weeks are five days, sometimes six Um, But all in all, a play in a week. And we provide all the theatrical elements, props, sets, costumes, makeup, scripts, all of that has been professionally designed and built. And the students get to wear those professional costumes and Mm. perform with a professional set and and have that experience to go along with it. And another thing that's unique to our programming is that we uh, actually – going back to the idea that we were talking about earlier about leading by example um, all of our shows are written with uh, uh, two educator roles that are uh, meant to be supporting members of the cast too and we focus on bringing in educators who are not only professional teaching artists but also professional actors and uh, they get to perform alongside the students so that's Mm -hmm. a really unique and fun um, experience for the kids and usually the families alike Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that they uh, get to perform alongside these two professional actors and we're able to teach in a way that if we were just their directors just their teachers um, there would just be some missing elements that when we are sharing in the experience as performers as fellow castmates um, we can offer something um, extra special yeah um, and something that I heard you say but I, I just want to go out of the way to point out is that uh, those roles are that the educators are playing are supporting roles so mm-hmm. The educator is not taking Dorothy away from a (laughs) child, um, which is something that I just really appreciate about your programming is that you've you've chosen roles that are supporting the kids. So the kids Mm -hmm. get to still be the not the stars but they get to play those those roles that you automatically think of a lot of the time when you think of these stories yeah and what's really exciting about um compass creative dramatics is that we even though we're based in chicago we have grown tremendously in our five years and we are currently scheduled in about 15 different states across the country and that's always growing um each month and and as we continue um down our our scheduling path Um, and uh so we we're bringing really this kind of programming everywhere um and and the way that that works is um we partner with organizations so a pto might bring us in um a church or a community theater or a performing arts center or a scout troop Mm -hmm. um any organization that has a group of students and a large room to put (laughs) on a play um how small can the group go in general our minimum cast size is 25 okay but we do also have flexibility in that number and so we've done plays with as few as eight students okay great yeah and um on the opposite side we can accommodate a large cast too so all of our programs are designed to have a a maximum of 75 students so 
Um, That's really exciting. If there's a community that's excited and has a large group of students, Mm -hmm. we have room for that if that's something that is appealing to a community too. Um, But yeah, so we're traveling all over the country doing this. Um, And we have the fortune to sometimes get to do that in our home community. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that we offer in Chicago, in Chicagoland, um, and then a couple in Wisconsin and one in Indiana is our summer camps. And Mm so rather than it being a a school or church or or community center bringing us in, um, what we've done is just partner with a host site and Compass is really the one. Organizing and doing the administration and marketing for all of those things. Yeah, and those are full day programs. We offer full day programs both to the communities who may be bringing us in as well as our own camps that we offer. But that means in addition to being able to rehearse the play every day, um, we also have games and activities and classes that the students get to participate in where they're being exposed to a lot of different theater topics, things like improv and clowning and Stage puppetry. combat. Exactly. Things that are going to get them excited and, and interested in different aspects of being a theater artist and performer. And so they get to take that home and along with them in their experience mm-hmm. as well. Outside of the, the main program that Cassandra's been talking about, which is our performance um, program that travels as, as a residency and also as those camps, um, we do a week-long script development program mm. as well where the students get to experience the jobs outside of being a performer. So they kind of get a, a, a taste of what happens before the actors ever enter the equation and get to do some of their own choreography and they learn about being a director and a costume designer um, and they do some of their own writing. And so that's a really exciting um, kind of partner program right. to to the the performance program as well. Do you all end up altering the script based on those weeks? Sometimes we do, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the script development program is actually part of our larger development process, which mm-hmm. uh, from the time that a script is begun in its first draft to the time that it becomes a fully fledged performance program can be anywhere from you know 16 months to two years Mm -hmm. and so one of the one of the last steps is having this these script development programs where the kids get to try out the scenes and songs and we often find that when they create their own choreography that there are pieces of the choreography that we pull and and put into the full performances um, and so then when we come back to that town with the performance program you know the next year or two years later um, they're excited to see oh I did that oh that was my right. group that we had that idea <laughs> which is super fun mm-hmm. and in addition to the script development the performance uh, program we also developed a, a week-long early education program and um, which Martha actually <laughs> had a lot to do with yes yes <laughs> uh, we were fortunate to to be able to work with somebody like you who had the background and knowledge to create create that um, foundation for that program and and develop the curriculum because there was such a felt need for it, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Chicago. Um, you know, parents and nannies and caretakers just kind of across the board are looking for those type of theater experiences for their students and was wanting to sign up their very young students for our performance camps that we were <laughs> offering. And uh, that program starts with students going into first grade in the fall. And so we had no room for their three or four year olds. <laughs> right. um, and, and we thought, well, but there's value 
value in Mm -hmm. starting this uh, education and this arts enrichment early. And that's why we wanted to develop it. And now it's a fully fledged program that in fact, on Monday, we are beginning uh, an early education program in Lynchburg, Virginia for the week. And at the same time, with their older students, we're also doing a performance residency. So we have two different teams of educators going out to Lynchburg, Virginia this week, which is very exciting. That Mm -hmm. is very exciting. And something about that uh, preschool programming, um, or little bitties, uh, Mm -hmm. as I like to call them when I work with them, uh, is that a lot of the curriculum is built so it can mirror the big kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the the little guys who sometimes are siblings of mm-hmm. children that are in the the school age camp, mm-hmm. um, they get to to get a little taste mm-hmm. of the storytelling you get that to learn a song yeah. and learn some dance moves, which is super fun exactly. it's and so adorable. Cute. <laughs> All three of the types of week long programs that we offer the performance residency, the script development residency in the early education residency they all still culminate in a performance or Mm -hmm. showcase and so everyone gets an opportunity to show off their hard work and the fun that they had Mm -hmm. throughout the week Um, right and so it's not just the performance camp that gets to have a showcase everyone gets to show off their work which is nice Um, but what we're super excited about is because we do our own adaptations part of that adaptation process is is gathering colleagues to get feedback on our scripts so you know gathering adapters educators actors playwrights mm-hmm. all together and giving voice to our script for the first time usually in kind of a private table read setting which happens usually <laughs> 6 months prior to when when it, it goes out as a script development program. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so uh, when we started doing this, um, even though our plays are, you know, written mostly for, you know, first to 12th graders to be performing, <laughs> these professional colleagues of ours were like, man, this I really... so much fun. I wish I could perform in this. <laughs> and so we realized there's something there. Um, what if we did cast all adults in this same exact script and we're not going to change anything we're going to leave it how it's written but cast professional actors um and and have a performance of it and so so for the last four years we have brought together an adult cast um to perform for an adult audience in a bar (laughs) (laughs) and it's been a lot of fun and 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 a lot of great success and as that kind of developed and kind of we started that tradition we realized that the the adult cast was such, just doing such a phenomenal job each year uh, that we were, were fortunate to have really talented folks who had come in to do those um that the we were missing out on sharing that with the general public um and to families and kids who might be interested and excited about seeing it so for the first time uh this Yay. year we're so excited yeah. that we actually have two family uh productions or two family performances of the same production um that is in rehearsals right now and uh we they're just one week on end only but uh that weekend is coming up very soon so um um, April 22nd and April 23rd uh, at Stage 773 in Chicago. Our professional adult cast will be performing our premiere script of our adaptation of Peter Pan. and uh, Which is such a fun script. Yeah. I was at the script develop.
development table read and then uh and then i'm actually in this production so if you are in the chicago area i strongly encourage you and you have nanny kids this is a really good opportunity to introduce them to theater and uh and specifically to a play that they could participate in Mm -hmm. this coming summer exactly and so on saturday the show's at 2 30 on sunday the show's at 11 um it lasts about an hour and then the really fun part is after the show we're gonna have a meet and greet with the actors and so those students who are there um and families get to come and talk to the actors get photos autographs and and get to interact with with the characters in peter pan and your nanny kids can come see martha play a sassy baby crocodile and yes. it's gonna be adorable it's i'm gonna super be excited about it i specifically asked for that part yes. <laughs> and they gave it to me because yes. they like me <laughs> um so- and because you're just an awesome baby crocodile it was Thank the you. right part for you in this puzzle piece of actors that we have exactly and so we encourage people to come check out the program and and bring bring your your kids along with that and uh and then like like we said um it's the exact same show and performance and script that as the students get to do when they do one of our residencies or camps yeah and we we have a peter pan camp uh happening in chicago um and that's going to be happening in august and so august 14th through the 18th at lincoln park cultural center will be that peter pan camp but even before that we actually also have an alice in wonderland camp because that's a program that's been out for a few years now that three years yeah i think Mm so um and we're going to be at pritzker elementary in bucktown and that's july 31st through august 4th um and so that's for any students you know first to eighth grade um and the same week that we're at pritzker doing alice in wonderland we'll also be there doing an early education preschool camp mm-hmm. and so students as young as three and all the way up through kindergarten can participate um in that camp that week as well yeah so information about any of those things whether it's the performance to come see and be a part of the audience or to participate in one of our school age or our preschool programs is all on our website Um, so if you just go to ccdramatics.com all the information is there Uh, and and then if you're one of those listeners who may not be in the Chicago area that's okay because we bring program to you Mm -hmm. and so there's information on our website too about how to get our programming to come to your community yes and i i will say from experience of working with you all you all make that super easy and can uh package it in such a way that it can fit specific needs Mm -hmm. of a community so Mm -hmm. it's not like uh you just have to take what we give you but you can communicate and uh figure out what a specific community needs mm-hmm. out of the program and meet them where they are. Exactly. Yeah, meet the kids where they and, are. and part of the way that we do that is not only do we provide the two educators that we're sending to a community and the theatrical elements that I talked about, like the costumes and sets, but we also provide an administrative packet and a marketing packet. So the organizations who bring us in, we already have pre-designed posters, postcards, registration forms, um, press releases already written, social media blasts pre-designed. And so the organizations don't need to create 
anything. They're mm-hmm. really just facilitating us being there because we've given them all of these materials. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful. So if you're listening to this and that's something that you're interested in, be sure to visit ccdramatics.com. There's a lot more information. I know a lot of my listeners listen while driving so don't (laughs) write any of this down just go to ccdramatics.com or google compass creative dramatics and it'll take you and there's an entire contact page if you're wanting to talk to somebody over the phone or via email so Mm -hmm. please reach out to us and we're happy to have conversations about any of it Mm -hmm. yeah wonderful well really quick if you have enjoyed this episode or are enjoying this podcast in general one of the best ways that you can help this podcast grow is to go on iTunes and write a review the written out reviews are the best way to bump us up in the algorithm to get seen by more people Uh, and then that is a forever spinning circle of of positivity because then more people see it and then more people (laughs) review it and then it's great so if you have five minutes this week it would mean the world to me if you would visit itunes type in chronicles of nannia spelled n-a-n-n-y-a and write a review uh the the stars are helpful the written review is the most helpful uh thank you so much and we end each episode with a fun story or anecdote uh about nanny kids and kathleen has brought one for us so one of the things that i love about small children um is because i am a theater artist myself i love that all little children are artists Mm -hmm. they are their their brains just work in ways that that adults don't don't see in all of those different directions and a couple of years ago I was with one of um one of my regular babysitting kids who I've babysat for five years now um and she was three or four at the time and I was sitting on the floor with her cross-legged and she was running her finger along my leg and she she was just mesmerized um by a cluster of spider veins that I have on my <laughs> knee which you know as as an adult is something that I'm like oh gosh what are, what is that why is that part of my life <laughs> um but she was fascinated and she said Kathleen cat these this is so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and now I see them and I remember that about my my little friend and it makes me feel better about my life so yeah. I love her and it's a wonderful wonderful story that I keep with me yes that is so <laughs> wonderful the to see the world through the eyes of a child mm-hmm. is just it's one of my favorite things about my job is that I get those moments but that is a really yeah. really special beautiful moment yeah. oh what a sweetie <laughs> um well thank you guys so much for being here Kathleen and Cassandra I really really appreciate it thank you for having us yeah, it was a great time yeah and thank you all for listening we'll see you next week The Chronicles of Nannia is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen. Artwork and logo by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nannia and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.